Is it Big 12 or bust for the Oklahoma Sooners in 2023? We'll talk about it on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. And don't forget about the Monday Night Live show, 9 p.m. Central Time on YouTube. We'll have the audio feed for you on your podcast feeds, but also check it out over at YouTube live Monday night, interact with us on the show over there, Josh, it was kind of an uneventful weekend for the Oklahoma Sooners, but uh, you know, it's never too early to start talking about expectations, but Gabe Eichert, Oklahoma Sooners. Great. uh, Was on the unnecessary roughness podcast. And they were asking what are Oklahoma's expectations for 2023? And he pretty much straight up said the expectation is a big 12 title and a college football playoff. And he went on to say that at the University of Oklahoma, the expectations don't change. That's the standard. Agree? Disagree? Should Oklahoma be living in this Big 12 or bust world? Absolutely. Ding, ding, ding. Gabe Eichert is is right. It's Oklahoma. It's the reason that we said to our buddy Shehan J. Araja, Shehan, 10 wins at Oklahoma – is not an unusual expectation. I know that the seemingly the bottom felt like it dropped out at six and seven a season ago in Brent Venable's first season at the helm. But just because you were six and seven a season ago and it's the first losing season in a quarter century is uh, it's not an expectation for expectations to lower. It's not a rationale for expectations to lower. It's not uh it's not a, uh, well, if they can just win eight games or if they can just show us defensive improvement. Yeah, obviously, we've we've kind of couched a lot of these conversations with, okay, yeah, if you don't reach this number or that number, if you don't win this championship or that championship, but if we see defensive improvement or if we see X, Y, Z, then it'll be a stomachable season. Yeah, maybe so, but will it be – in terms of what Oklahoma football is, will it be a successful season based on Oklahoma standards? No. And, and the expectations at Oklahoma don't change beyond conference championship A and uh, national championship B, or maybe reverse those. It'd be like telling your straight A student or really any student that you don't want them to see their best or to do their best and, shoot for straight A's or shoot for A's. You know what I mean? Like just because they had a a bad test, they bombed a test and like, Oh, well it's okay. If you get C's, you're good to go. If you get a B on your next one, that's fine. No, we aim for the stars. We shoot for the stars. If you've shown and proven that you are one of the best college football teams in the history of the sport, but definitely over the last 20 years, then of course you're not going to couch your expectations and say 
nope, we're we're happy with an eight-win season. No, you're not Vanderbilt. You're not looking for bowl eligibility. You're not a team that's looking to live in the middle and looking to live in mediocrity. No, you're looking to build a program that's going to be with the best and play with the best and compete at the national level. Will that happen this year? We'll see, right? That's that's kind of what everybody's waiting on with bated breath to see what's going to happen with this Oklahoma Sooners team in year two with Brent Venables. But the expectation doesn't doesn't change and the standard doesn't change. And Brent Venables would tell you the same thing, is that the best is the standard, right? And so if best is the standard, then we're not going to settle for anything less than a Big 12 championship and a college football playoff berth. I think that's that's okay to like set that expectation as long as you have reasonable kind of context to frame that in as well. Coming from a six and seven season where you had the 122nd best defense or worst defense. I mean, they were one of the worst defenses in the country last year. Okay. We have reasonable expectations that that needs to improve top 80, top 70. If it does that, then they're going to win a lot of football games. And Brent Venable said as much, if the defense improves, they're going to have a chance to win 10 games and hang a banner. This is what we talked about last week. And I think Gabe's double downing, doubling down on that. And I think a lot of Oklahoma Sooners who have lived the success of this program it could be Gabe. It could be Teddy. It could be my former co-host, David Walker. It could be, you know, Barry Switzer, who's lurking in, in your shadow behind you. Um, it could be Jason White, Sam Bradford, Landry Jones, anybody who's been a part of a big 12 championship gone and played in a national championship game, won a national championship, they'd probably say the same thing, that Oklahoma football has a high expectation of success. And six and seven, it doesn't change that. No, it doesn't. And I was just going back through some of the numbers that I think we've talked about in the past. TCU, I get it, was – Technically not the big 12 champion. That was Kansas state. So give the wildcats their credit for going and winning a big 12 championship, but for all intents and purposes, TCU, we agree, right? One game, they didn't win it. Kansas state deserves all the credit in the world. They're the defending big 12 champions, but TCU's the team that went and played for a national championship. TCU's the team that went to the college football playoff. So you could make a reasonable argument that, Hey, TCU's the best team in the big 12 a season ago, even though they technically did not win the big 12 championship and yet who was tcu well tcu was a team that was 95th nationally in total defense tcu was a team that was 90th nationally in scoring defense and you know oklahoma uh, was 99th nationally in scoring defense so not not far behind that Mm -hmm. and yet i guess i say that to arrive at the point that it's possible to even though tcu didn't win this conference with just a just a little, just a little bit of defensive improvement. Oklahoma, believe it or not, who don't say those words, don't say they don't say they're close, but Oklahoma was not as far away from being legitimately a factor in this Big 12 race a season ago as at times it felt if they make the type of defensive improvement that the expectation again at Oklahoma is to make. So I don't think that. I don't think a national championship for Oklahoma, I'm not saying totally move the goalpost away long-term for, for Oklahoma and enter this season. Sure. With that type of uh, expectation, but probably OU's not winning a national championship in the 2023 college football season. 
But getting back into the college football playoff or being a legitimate threat to be there and winning a Big 12 championship, absolutely. That should be an expectation for Oklahoma. TCU with a defense that wasn't all that different from Oklahoma's last season, John, again, technically didn't do that, but did that, right? I mean, went to and played for a national championship. So absolutely, Oklahoma should be within that range of why can't we go be on the national stage? Why can't we win the Big 12 Conference? They need to have that mindset. And if Oklahoma is just a little bit better defensively and they're more opportunistic and they're better, we've said it a million times, they're better offensively in the red zone and on third and fourth downs, this team wins more games. That's just facts. So many times this, this team's offense stalled out or the defense just didn't make an opportunistic play. The ball didn't bounce their way. And that's how you end up losing a lot of close games is the ball just doesn't bounce your way or you don't come through in clutch situations. And that was the difference between TCU and Oklahoma. And that was the difference between five and six wins for Oklahoma. You know, being able to be a nine or 10 win team is just not being clutch. And that's what it kind of comes down to for the Sooners. So if they are able to kind of flip the script on that in 2023, it changes the record for them as well. And, and I think most everybody expects this defense to be better. How much better is going to be the question, but they're definitely going to be better. One, you can't be any worse, right? But they're going to be better because we're seeing a, a faster, stronger, tougher group of players that's going to come through and potentially a, a more opportunistic defense that's going to be able to create more turnovers that's going to help the offense out a little bit as well. Because that was, a again, the off. I mean, they did create some turnovers last year. But if you if they can create a few more and get off the field on third down, the, the little things are going to matter so much to this defense and to this team in the 2023 season. Well, and we, we need to talk some breakout players or who we have on maybe our short list of that. And I think, that subject, John, is part of the reason why, yeah, the expectations should be where they're at because we're hoping, I'm guessing, as we dive into this next discussion here, that some of these breakout players are going to be new arrivals for Oklahoma. Yes, yeah, some will be in-house, but some will be some of the new arrivals. So that is another reason why the expectations, yeah, they need to be high in uh, in 2023. And I will go ahead and, before we jump to the next topic, retract uh, to some degree what I said a moment ago, which is, you know what? It's been done at Oklahoma before where the year prior, okay, there were parts that were good in Stoops' first season leading Oklahoma. And probably, I think it's fair to make this argument, John, it looked like Oklahoma was further along in Stoops' first season. I mean, there was a lot of bad for Brent Venables in Oklahoma in year one last year. But that being said, at Oklahoma, it's been done where year two, there was a dramatic turnaround from even the year prior. So, I'm going to go ahead and retract something I said a moment ago. National championship for this team, yes, should be the standard because that's Oklahoma football. Now, you and I and those of us in this sphere, we can kind of look at it and say, okay, well, is that a little too pie in the sky for Oklahoma in 2023? Okay, maybe once we get to the finish line of this next season. But for this group, for this team, for this program, that yeah, that needs to be the, the expectation, right? Is We're going to go win the whole dang thing. So – USC versus Oklahoma in the college football playoff. That's what you're telling me. I think that's what we're predicting here on Locked On Sooners on June uh, the 26th. So coming up next, we're going to talk about breakout players 
players that really need to have breakout seasons for the Oklahoma Sooners to be successful on both sides of the ball. I wrote a story over there at Sooners Wire. You can check it out with five players that I expect that will have breakout seasons. We'll talk about some of those. We'll talk about some of the ones that Josh believes will break out after the break. First, we're going to talk to you about our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel. Baseball season, they're here for you. It's in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on all of the action than with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers, a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on to join today. Uh, some, some bets that you might like. I don't know. How about fading the Kansas City Royals any single time that uh, they head out to the diamond for now or the remainder of the season? That could be a nice wager for you. Uh, Kansas City Royals, my Royals, not very good, John. I don't know if you've been keeping tabs on this. Uh, it's rough now, and I don't see it getting much better in the foreseeable future. Right now, the Reds betting uh, betting money line on Cincinnati looks like it's not the, the worst idea either. So, hey, don't miss your chance to, swag that, uh, to snag that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. FanDuel.com backslash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. So what do you have in the way of some, or I, I guess I should say, who do you have in the way of some some breakout players out there, John? I know that uh, what you compiled a, a list or, or one of your co-workers did at Sooners Wire. So what did you, uh, okay, and, and it is your honors, my friend. So what did you come up with in the way of breakout players for Oklahoma? So kind of what I looked at as opposed to, targeting a bunch of the transfers that we think will have good seasons and be impact players. We've, I've talked a lot about those guys, Rondo Bothroyd, Desan McCullough, Reggie Pearson, uh, you know, the, the offensive line transfers, Caleb Schaefer. I mean, being potentially a big part, Angela Anthony, Brennan Thompson, you could talk a lot about those guys. I, I tried to stay, I, I tried to lean more to guys that were with the program last year, maybe had a role, but didn't necessarily play a significant role. Weren't necessarily a starter that I do believe are going to have a breakout year this year. And off the top, for me, a player that needs to have a breakout, and I think will, is R. Mason Thomas. Now, this is a guy we saw in flashes last year. We saw a little bit. He didn't play a ton of snaps, but the snaps he did play were memorable, right? I mean, yes, he had a couple offsides penalties with a, you know, a little too much exuberance, youthful exuberance, trying to get out there and make a play. But he had some plays that just left you going, wow. The juice, the get off, the speed, the agility, the tenacity. I mean, all those things like fit exactly what Brent Venables wants his defense to look like. He just made some true freshman mistakes, but you can't deny the skill set that's there. And he's got the talent to be a great pass rusher at the collegiate level. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be an early down guy where he's out there, you know, playing the run and getting what 60, 70 snaps in a game. I think he's definitely got the capability of doing that, but at the very least, he's going to be a guy that comes in in sub packages on third down or second and long or obvious passing situations. If Oklahoma's up and the other team's trying to come back, you're going to roll. You're going to see a lot of our Mason Thomas because he's, he is the edge player that they've got. That's got that speed off the ball. They've got good edge players. Rondell Bothroyd, Ethan Downs, uh, you know, we've seen good things out of Desan McCullough when he's rushed off the edge, but they don't, ha- I don't think they've got anybody that's got the quickness 
and the ability to just beat a left tackle right off the off the snap, uh, like R. Mason Thomas. So that's a guy that I'm really expecting to have a big time season this year. And it wouldn't surprise me if he pushes eight sacks this year, just because of one, the, the, the passing nature of the big 12, but two, I think Oklahoma is going to be up more late in games where teams are going to, aren't going to be able to run the ball as much as they might like in the third and fourth quarter, because Oklahoma is going to be up more uh, by double digits in more games. And so our Mason is going to get an opportunity to rush the passer a lot more. You want to keep rolling through some of the other names that you had and then uh, names that maybe you do touch on or you don't and I can respond to, but I'm, I'm compiling a list myself of uh, some some names of, of guys that were here last year that will come back. So some some breakout returnees, I guess we could say, but who else did you have uh, on this list for you? So we'll stick with the defensive line, Grayson Halton, the four-star guy that was committed to Oregon initially, but then flipped to Oklahoma at, during the the – uh, initial stages of the Brent Venables era in Oklahoma. Remember, he was you know set to go be with Mario Cristobal out of Oregon. And then uh, once the coaching change happened there, again, similar to R. Mason Thomas, right? R. Mason was a guy that was going to go to Iowa State. And then, you know, Brent Venables and, and Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis, they come to Oklahoma and they say, hey, we like that R. Mason Thomas kid. He was pretty good. Let's see if we can get him, uh, you know, coming to Oklahoma. And they did. Similar to Grayson Halton. Grayson Halton didn't see a bunch of snaps last year. But in the spring, he really flashed. He really started to turn things on and put things together. Spring game, he's got five tackles, two sacks, which, you know, the two tackles for loss. He just showed out. And similar to R. Mason Thomas, he showed quickness, agility from the interior. Again, is he going to be a guy that is going to get a ton of snaps? Maybe, maybe not. They added a ton of interior uh, defensive line depth this offseason. But I could see him being a third down guy. I could see him coming in in pass rush situations again because of his quickness, his agility, that ability to get off the ball quick and get into the backfield, knifing through the guard in the center to be able to make a play in the backfield. I could, I could certainly see that happening. He's got some tools that are gonna that are gonna make him a really, really good pass rush, maybe specialist um, in certain situations. Just has to continue to build on that run defense. And you know, Ted Roof talked about it after the spring game. It's just about being consistent. And that's the thing with all these kids and all these you know players is that just building consistency, being the same player, snap in, snap out as as they need them to be. But Grayson Halton is starting to really put things together, at least this offseason, to where he could potentially, I, I think, have a breakout. Now, are we talking about an Indomitian Sioux type of player? No. Gerald McCoy, no, maybe not even Neville Gallimore, but he's a guy that because of his ability to rush the passer from the interior, if he gets a good amount of snaps – Five, four or five sacks is not out of the question for him, especially again, passing nature of the big 12. I believe Oklahoma will be up more in games. So I really like where they're at with that. Going to the linebacker core. I think this is one everybody's expecting, but let's state the obvious Jaron Canick. I think a lot of people are excited about what he's going to be capable of doing for the Sooners. I mean, again, like our Mason, we saw it in flashes. Like we, the, you know, the little bit that we got to see him, we're sitting there asking ourselves, how are they not playing this kid more? Because he's got speed. He's got agility. He's got athleticism. He plays fast. You know, he plays physical. Of all your Oklahoma Sooners, he had the highest coverage grade, according to Pro Football Focus last year. He, he didn't, every time he was thrown at, he did allow a reception, but he didn't allow any yards after the catch. He only allowed four yards after catch all season long in coverage. That's pretty good. That means like, okay, you might be able to complete a pass on Jaron Canning, but you're not getting away from him. 
He's just too quick and he's too fast. He's going to tackle you and bring you down. So I think that's another guy that everybody's expecting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with a full complement of snaps. Now, again, got to continue to earn the role. Similar to R. Mason, similar to Grayson Halton, nothing's going to be given. Uh, they went out and you know brought in Connor Neer uh, from Ferris State to compete at middle linebacker. But I think most people are expecting that this is going to be Jaron Canick's year to, to take over at middle linebacker for the Sooners. Uh, again, the speed's there. The way that the ability to play fast is there. The athleticism's there. He's going to be able to, to cover. You know, he's going to be able to do everything that you need him to do um, as the middle linebacker. Uh, and then sticking with the defensive side of the ball before I got give you one guy on the offense, and this is Gentry Williams. Again, another player who didn't play a ton as a true freshman but got a few snaps in and looked like he could hang. You know, a guy that's going to play the ball aggressively. He's got athleticism. He was one of the top players in the state of Oklahoma, if not the top player in the state of Oklahoma coming out in the 2022 recruiting class, a priority keep for the Sooners after the coaching change and wanted to be at Oklahoma. Woody Washington's going to start on one corner. The other corner is a question mark. It's Gentry Williams. It's uh, Macari Vickers, Josiah Wagner, Kendall Dolby. I mean, he's got to win a job, but – given what we we saw a little bit of as a true freshman, I think there's a great chance that he could take that, build upon it, and become a starter. And then finally for me, it was Tyler Guyton. I know opportunity breeds you know, expectation, and he's going to have a great opportunity. Uh, the senior bowl, uh, senior director of the senior bowl, Jim Nagy, you know, came out and talked about Oklahoma's offensive line and talked about Tyler Guyton being one of the most physically gifted athletic players that they're going to have a chance to scout at the senior bowl. And, you know, you have that basketball background, that tight end background, similar to like Elaine Johnson, right? Someone who didn't necessarily, you know, go to offensive tackle early in their career, but eventually they take that, they, they move to that position and have all the athletic tools that you could want in an offensive tackle, plus incredible size at six, seven. And then you hear a guy like Jared verse, a top 10, guy jared verse who would have been a top 10 draft pick in the 2023 nfl draft but opted to stay for one more season at florida state so he could become i guess the number one overall pick or the number two overall pick i guess caleb williams would probably number one but jared verse is going to have a chance to go top five he called tyler guyton the best player that he played against last year that is very very um that's a very high honor. Like that is incredibly impressive that a guy like Jared verse is noticing you. So again, it's obvious because he's going to get a chance to start and the, the snaps are going to be there for him to have this breakout season. But I think a lot of us might even be sleeping on a little bit, just potentially how good he could be for Oklahoma this year and what he could do for this offensive line. Given the fact that you're still replacing three starters, both tackles, you need a guy that's got to that's gonna come in and play at an elite level so that you're not having to worry about, okay, man, we're not sure about our right tackle situation, so we got to send guard help, running back help, tight end help over to help that out. If you've got one guy that you can leave on an island, man, it opens up so many things for your offensive line because you're not having to you know shift protection that way to protect a guy. You know, you're not having to you know send a running back that direction to chip. You got one guy that you can leave out there on an island, man, it opens up everything for your offense. Some really good names there. And man, it gets you hungry for some football. Thinking about all these different breakout candidates. It's, uh, you know, for me, as I was going through just not even a, a top five, just sort of a general list of who breakout names might be. 
it almost feels like a lot of these come in pairs for me. Uh, offensive line, and this is not the same position group, but Tyler Guyton, Savion Bird, two names that like quickly come to mind for me. Bird, the the physicality that we saw in in the Cheez It Bowl, Guyton because of a lot of the the, the reasons you mentioned with Jim Nagy in, in the Senior Bowl. They love him. They view him as this obvious NFL tackle talent going forward. Um, moving through the rest of the offense, Gavin Sanchuk, Javante Barnes, both of the two backs. I mean, those, those are easy breakout candidates. Saw, saw, saw a lot, obviously. Yeah. Of Javante Barnes, but need to see that starring role. Sawchuck, That's obvious in the backfield, uh, wide receiver core, the pair again, Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson. I, I think of, uh, I, I think of, J.J. Hester and L.V. Bunkley Shelton as sort of a pair together. D.J. Graham's just in that that own category. Don't forget about D.J. Graham before the YouTube comments and the the podcast uh, comments. Everybody responding on Twitter gets upset. Don't forget about D.J. Graham. Uh, Moving to the defensive side of the football, a pair, Isaiah Cohen, Jordan Kelly. I kind of put those two in my mind in a same little grouping together. Grayson Halton, Kelvin Gilliam, sort of put them together. Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes because they're older guys that have sort of been around in this program. And yet if you could get one of the two to really elevate, okay, well, that's good news when now you're starting to talk about a younger guy in that group, like an R. Mason Thomas, right? Now P.J. Adebare, that's uh, somebody that hasn't been here, but we have high expectations for because he's a five-star kid coming in. Uh, Justin Harrington and Woody Washington, again, different positions in the secondary, but older guys that have been around here. And in the case of Woody Washington, has played a lot of football. Justin Harrington, okay, not as much. But again, elder statesman, I kind of think of those two as uh, as appearing in the defensive side. So if you ask me to narrow it down to maybe some of the obvious, most important breakout type guys, I think you nailed it. Tyler Guyton for me is a a no-brainer. That's somebody that absolutely, that has to be a home run for Oklahoma this season. I mean, offensive line, it's so easy to point his direction. Savion Bird, I know I mentioned him, but because of some of the stuff that you did in the transfer portal with Schaefer, okay, maybe that's not as immediate for Savion Bird. I just kind of like what we've seen from Savion Bird. Uh, To me, you have to have one or the other. Nick Anderson or Jaden Gibson, I just don't see a scenario where everything – expectation-wise for Oklahoma matches what we want it to be without one of those two being a difference maker at wide receiver. Yeah, I guess there's a hypothetical situation out there where LV Bunkley Shelton takes this big leap and maybe Jaquay's Petaway steps right in and he's a star, but probably you're more than likely needing either Nick Anderson or Jaden Gibson to be an impact guy for you. So I think one of those two is very important. I think it's uh, breakout guys, either Isaiah Coe or Jordan Kelly. Like I I talk about this being in pairs. One of those two guys needs to take a big time leap for you, John, for me. And then uh, in the, you know, not just secondary guys, but I would put both of these two guys. I don't know if you put them in breakout candidates, but if things are going to go really, really well for Oklahoma, to me, Woody Washington and Danny Stutzman are both going to have to be stars for Oklahoma. So again, I don't know. That probably wouldn't necessarily fit the breakout category, but both of those two guys, it's got to go to a different level for Oklahoma. If we're talking about this team's going to be a big 12 champion, or they're going to go to a college football playoff on and on and on. Yeah. I think Danny Stutzman's kind of on that trajectory, similar to how I talked about Tyler Guyton. You need Woody Washington to become that lockdown corner. 
You know, he's been really, really good, but you need him to take it to another level and and be and just shut off one half of the field to where teams just say, we can't throw that way because Woody Washington's over there. And not just be good, good, but like be great, great. You know, you need him to be great. And, and that's been something that on the outside at cornerback has been a struggle uh, for much of the last decade or so. I mean, when was the last time you had somebody out there that you felt like you could just leave them on an island and they were going to take care of business out there. It's been a long, long time. Um, but you need Woody Washington to kind of become that next great player. Again, he's been good. He's been really good at times, but now we need him to take it to another level. Again, Danny Stutzman's kind of on this trajectory. Yeah, you need him to be better because you need the whole defense to be better. And Stutzman is one of the most important pieces of your defense. Flipping back to the offensive side, this is kind of where we come into our Austin Stogner discussion because you don't have much option at tight end. You've got to get a breakout season similar to what Braden Willis did a year ago. you got to have that from Austin Stogner. Yeah, there's talented players in Jason Llewellyn and Caden Helms, but you just haven't seen them play uh, very regularly on the football field. You haven't seen them in the passing game especially. And so you need Stogner to come in, especially with, with the questions that they have at wide receiver. You've got a veteran player now that you hope is going to take this big ascension in the passing game, but he needs to. I mean, we can do the apples to apples discussion with Braden Willis, but until we see Stogner really take advantage of this opportunity, it's just going to be a hypothetical and a hope. And he can't, he can't bank on hope, but I mean, all things considered, he's, he's got the talent to be able to have this breakout, but he absolutely needs to have a breakout. No question. I mean, it's for Oklahoma. Again, if we're talking about they're going to do the types of things that we want to see this Oklahoma team do right here, right now in 2023, that has to be the case for Stogner. Uh, more thoughts on Stogner, but I want to back up for just a quick second and run this by you. Get your thoughts on it. Lockdown corner. When we talk about that lockdown defensive back, Trey Brown, when he left OU, uh, his final season, I think we'd agree, was 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 pretty good, right? Ends up, uh, what, a fourth-round pick with Seattle. And yet, in some ways, is it unfair for me to say that I didn't necessarily feel that he was – I mean, did a ton of great things that year, a lockdown guy. Uh, Zach Sanchez, if you back up a little bit further than that, was this incredibly opportunistic – come up with a game-saving interception uh, in, a, in a Red River game or a pick six at the right time. or It's like a timely, timely plays, and yet he gave up some plays, it felt like, here and there. I think the guy that you go back to in terms of lockdown corner, Aaron Colvin. That, that's the last guy that I would think of that fits that type of – like you thought he took one, one whole part of the field away. And again, I think Trey Brown – and Sanchez would be in that conversation, but that's the kind of guy I'm talking about that season that Aaron Colvin had his last season at OU. What do you, what do you think of that? Do you agree? Disagree? I agree. And I think some of it for guys like Zach Sanchez and uh, Trey Brown, some of it was scheme. You know, they asked them to play off coverage so much and play so conservative, just not don't get beat that it kind of makes sense. You go back to a guy like Aaron Colvin. Well, I mean, he was a Brent Venables recruit. He was somebody that committed under Brent Venables, played, you know, the 2010, 2011 seasons with Venables. And I mean, that aggressive kind of mindset where, you know, sometimes you're going to leave a guy out there on an island and and let him play one-on-one in coverage and let him play bump and run, let him play press man. And sometimes you'll get beat. Sometimes you won't, but, you know, having that aggressive mindset 
And I think they're bringing guys like that. Makari Vickers, Josiah Wagner. Um, I'm blanking on some of Kendall Dolby. You know, they're trying to attract those kind of players and, and put them in their system and make them a part of their system. But I mean, you need to have your veteran be that guy. Like he needs to show up and not just be really good again. Just he's got to be great. And I think it's a fair assessment that you go back to Aaron Colvin as somebody who kind of led the way for the Sooners at cornerback, but there's not a lot of a rich history of great cornerback play at Oklahoma. Woody Washington's been one of the best ones in the last 20 years or so. But again, we need to take, see him take it to another level. Well, there's not been that over the past 10 years or so. I mean, you know, you go back, there's been some great defensive backs, even, uh, you know, I, you know, you go back to, uh, Quentin Carter was a great secondary mm-hmm. player. I mean, Q was awesome at OU. Jamel Fleming at times uh, had some good, some bad. I mean, Oklahoma's had some some really good defensive backs, uh, but uh, you know, corner specifically the last however many years, yeah, it's been you know the lockdown guy, and everybody's looking for that guy. I get it, but we have that high, high, incredible bar at OU to where if you're talking about winning national championships, you need that kind of guy taking away uh, that portion of the field. Stogner, maybe we can have more more of an extended conversation uh, in the future, but just so we cross our, our T's and dot our I's here, yeah, I- I'm with you. I think that for Austin Stogner, it's almost, I mean, for me, and maybe this is unfair because Stogner has been somebody over the course of his career, John, let's just call it what it is, unfortunate or just, uh, you know, whatever, uh, un not not circumstances that you just bank on happening, but he's had some injury concerns at times, right? I mean, that's that's a factor for Stogner. So we need to see, A, that he's going to be healthy and get through a season. And then, B, we need to see that he can be that player. I believe the 2020 season is the one that we point back to where, I mean, it looked like he was the next great tight end at Oklahoma. And for me, mentally, I'm already there that that's who Austin Stogner is going to be this next season. But is that kind of – do we need to see a little bit of that before it's just, okay, yeah, that's what Oklahoma's got at tight end. Because I think that's a, I mean, that's an incredibly, incredibly piece for not just Oklahoma's offense, but for any quarterback to have that, that tight end uh, safety valve that you've got somebody that you can trust over the middle of the field. And I know that fans were pining for that, pining for that, pining for that last season. Like why do we not use that middle third in between the hashes? Oklahoma needs that guy. I think they have it in Austin Stogner, but yeah, I mean, let's hope they've got it. Yeah. So you go back to that 2020 season, he had 26 catches for 422 yards and three touchdowns was injured in the, the later stages of the, of the Kansas game. He's got the big playability and you need to have that. I mean, Braden Willis showed you just how important that was. And again, I mean, Stogner's coming into this year with more history of production than Willis did, but that's so far removed. I mean, that's three seasons ago that Stogner had that production, you know, and he had the 2021 season where he rotated with Jeremiah Hall and, and Braden Willis. Now, again, coming off the big injury where he then had the infection and all that had to have the, you know, the revision and all that. And then goes to South Carolina in 2022 and doesn't really do much. So, I mean, it's, we're kind of in wait and see mode. We got to see him produce. And I mean, I think he's going to, a lot of us think he's going to, but it's, it, much like a lot of this Oklahoma team, we got to see him do it. So we'll continue to uh, break down this this season and, and get you ready for the start of the 2023 college football season uh, with our live show Monday night. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Again, over on YouTube, hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. 
Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref, myself at John Nine Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. But until tomorrow night with the live show, he's Josh. I'm John. Boomer Sooner.